Christina Della Rocha. Welcome to Season 4 of Solarpunk Presence, the podcast introducing you to the people working today to create a future we'd like to live in. Because if Solarpunk as a genre of fiction dreams about the just and sustainable world we'd like to live in in the future, Solarpunk as a movement rolls up its sleeves and gets down to the business of bringing it about in the present. We hope you enjoy this episode, but first, we need your support. Come join our Patreon at patreon.com slash solarpunkpresence for all sorts of good stuff like bonus clips, dispatches, photo essays, and early access to episodes. Or you can spread the word by writing our podcast a review or recommending us to a friend, or you can do both. And be sure to visit our beautiful new website and catch up on our blog at solarpunkpresence.com. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 6 of Solarpunk Presence. This is Ariel, and today I'm talking with Navarre Bartz about spirituality in solarpunk. You might know Navarre as the person behind the Solarpunk Station blog, which recently ran a series of guest posts focusing on different aspects of solarpunk spirituality. This piqued our interest, since Christina and I are both very unfamiliar with how the concept of solarpunk and the concept of spirituality fit together. Navarre, thank you for coming on the podcast today to speak with me. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. I, awesome. I lurk and listen a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Could you actually uh, start off by introducing yourself to our listeners a little bit? Okay, so I'm Navarre Bartz. As you said, I run the Solar Punk Station blog and occasional video on YouTube. I have a background in material science and uh, ceramic engineering. Most of my research was energy materials, but ceramic engineers do everything from toilets to solar panels. So anything in that tech spectrum or, you know, clay pots. I found out about solar punk, I think like a lot of people in the the mid 20 teens kind of found it through through steampunk and some uh, appropriate technology things from No Tech magazine. And that piqued my interest also from the maker movement. That was all kind of a confluence there. I guess as far as solar punk spirituality goes, uh, mostly I just got some some people who are smarter than me together to write things on my blog. I'm probably the least qualified because I went to Catholic school growing up, so I have 13 years of Catholic theology. It's very more domination and oppression-based, maybe. Most actual people are great, but the the church maybe doesn't have the best history with solar punk ideals. <laughs> I was going to ask, so what is solar punk spirituality to you specifically? I mean, could you give us a bit of a 101 style definition? Coming into solar punk, one of the things that I found interesting about it was often people have this diametric opposition in their head that science and spirituality are at each other's throats and can't coexist. But one of the things that I felt like even early on solar punk expressed was that science and spirituality can coexist and also reinforce each other. And for me, having one without the other, you either end up with unbridled capitalism under science where everything is very clockwork and it doesn't really matter what other what happens to other people or beings on the planet and 
if you don't have that scientific basis, you can end up with bigotry and you can still end up with negative consequences by not having at least some some scientific or other more grounded worldview that's kind of down to earth and not 100% oh this physical plane is not important kind of thing that's a really fascinating point of view um and something that i'd been thinking about as well or just through encounters in my life the whole science and spirituality seeming to be diametrically opposed i also grew up religious and so having that sort of ideology sort of propelled at me the you know, if you believe, then you automatically have to discount these scientific theories. And if you are involved in science in any way, then you can't be spiritual, or else somehow it's contaminated. And so what I like about solar punk is that it sort of brings those together, and it it has room for bringing that together, and room for people who don't care about bringing that together, but also room for people who do very much. I was hoping that you could speak a little bit more about um, what prompted you to have that solar punk spirituality uh, blog series of guest posts. What sort of made you think this is something that I want to put out into the world? It's been a while now, so I can't, (laughs) this will be me trying to remember things from a year or two ago, but I think I've been thinking a little bit about this in my own life. I've been Christian up until a few years ago and then we had a kid on the way. So I was kind of evaluating some of my own moral frameworks. And I was like, actually not, some of it is still very important to me, but the whole package didn't fit what I actually felt. And some of it was, things are just changing as turning into an adult, uh, if, if I'm so bold as to call myself one. And okay, what fits and what doesn't fit? And some of these things are things that kind of, I guess, chafed over my entire life, and some are just ways I've changed, that kind of led me to, okay, there are actually lots of different ways of looking at the spiritual dimensions of of life and what else is out there. I kind of wanted to address that a little bit on the blog, but it's a very big topic, so I didn't want to go out and stomp my person who was raised as a white male feet all over that without bringing in some other people. I went ahead and started reaching out. I knew a few people, and also kind of threw out a threw out a wide net on uh, what was then still Twitter and uh, Mastodon and asked if anybody else was interested and had a few people respond. We talked together and kind of decided how we wanted to structure it and ended up just doing kind of individual essays on how them being part of solar punk and lunar punk interfaced with their own spiritual practices or experiences just just as a caveat, not just in the the religious, because we also have at least a couple contributors who are also atheist or agnostic, probably depending on what day you ask them, maybe. I think I have a more specific definition I use on the blog, which I might see if I can find in my introduction post. Basically, the idea that spirituality is kind of a catch-all for that weird things we can't explain for science, uh, through science, like all the squishy bits of humanity. I'll read the official one too, and we can decide which one sounds better. So I have an asterisk on my my introduction post of I'm defining spirituality here as all the squishy and difficult to define things that make us human. This includes the paths followed by everybody, atheists, pagans, abramists, Buddhists, Zoroastrians, and everybody. I really like that definition. It's evolving. 
it's a holding pattern for now, so we'll see. And hopefully we have one or two more people coming in too. And obviously it's a conversation with the whole solar punk community. And my blog is only one teeny tiny part of the whole. And I think one thing that I didn't mention earlier too, is that all those different paths, it's sort of the, I guess, pluralism of there's everyone's looking at this, the same thing maybe, but from different angles and we're better off working together instead of saying there's only the one one correct way to look at this and you're all other and else is wrong. Have you encountered anybody who self-describes themselves as solar punk who says, you know, like you have to adhere to certain spiritual belief set or practices, or is it fairly multivocal in this way? I don't think I've run into anyone who's very dogmatic in that way. And I think that that's the punk aspect of solar punk is anything that strays toward hierarchy or dogma or Mm. things can only be one way is kind of, I'm sure if you explore the gray area between solar punk and eco-fascism, there are probably some people in there and definitely on the eco-fascist side. But I I think the attractor for solar punk is more, more pluralism and more community and working together, not despite, but because of our differences, we're, we're better together as opposed to working in opposition to each other um or saying that there's only one way to do it right not that not that we don't have those conversations but i haven't seen it in a spiritual context at least yeah that's definitely what attracts me to this idea of solar punk spirituality is sort of a, a quilted kind of patchwork or or mosaic kind of bringing together of all these different facets because i certainly don't know everything and so it's great to be able to learn from other people Christina and I actually discussed in our very first episode of the podcast that often solar punk manifestos can kind of read a little bit like religious tenets, a lot of (laughs) thou shalt not, you know, and in order to be a true solar punk trademark, you should believe X, Y, (laughs) Z, right? Um, So uh, I was wondering what your take was on that. There's always a certain amount of wanting to do that and being like, oh, well, you believe this certain thing. So obviously you're not the whole, yeah, no true solar punk or no true Scotsman sort of argument. And I feel like that's not like we we could do that all day, but that's not going to, uh, to get us much of anywhere. I was just at a, a convention and one of the panelists, uh, I believe he's a cartoonist, but uh, his name's Goni Montes, which I'm probably pronouncing badly because I don't, I can speak tiny bit of Spanish. But anyway, (laughs) they were talking about how the, for for lack of a better term, I'm paraphrasing here, but the, the agents of the status quo are very consolidated and tend to overlook a lot of their differences, like the weird alliance in the United States, at least between like big business and evangelical Christians, even though if you look at like the Bible and stuff, that does not make sense as an alliance, but it's a thing politically here in the United States. So the agents of the status quo are very, very consolidated, I think is the word he used. They'll do what's necessary to keep things kind of as it is. And solar punk is very much about change to what we view as a better future. So without jumping too much into the left-right paradigm, but there's a lot of discourse about the left trying to eat itself uh, and trying not to do that in solar punk, I think would be a better way forward. 
I'm also kind of conflict averse. So that's my natural tendency is to try to, okay, we'll just agree to disagree on that thing, but let's work together on this other part that we're working on right now. Not that I can't get angry and irrational about things at times. I'm still still human. I mean, that's fair. I that <laughs> too. And also part of what I like about solar punk is that it acknowledges that I guess people are human, you know? And um acknowledging that humans do have a spiritual side or a side of them that can't really be explained away, as you say, the the squishy bits that science can't really quantify. How do you see Solarpunk spirituality working into this vision of a better future that Solarpunk has? So, I mean, we've all seen the the pictures of like walkable, sustainable communities and stuff like that. And there's a lot of focus on this sort of like the physical design. And spirituality is, well, it's it's not physical, it's metaphysical. So um, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. First, I guess to tie it in a little bit with that architectural aspect, one of the the stories, and I can't remember the name, one of the stories in Bioluminescent, uh, the anthology, the Lunar Punk anthology that came out uh, last year, uh, it might have been called Neptune's Dew. They're on a an underwater, I want to say space station, but it's an ocean station, I guess. One of the characters gets there, they go with a friend, and they're both grad students kind of thing. And I, th- I don't think it's a spoiler that when they get there, they're kind of surprised because this is a science research outpost, but they find little altars to different either deities or saints, as the case may be. And there are all these little alcoves in this one area. And they're like, well, this is a scientific station wire. There are all these like religious things. And they're they're from all these different aspects around the world. And the people are like, well, when you're in the ocean, like there's a lot that could happen. So you're, you're going to take all the help you can get kind of thing. I think to some extent, that's why there's sort of the stereotype of sailors being superstitious and all these sort of things. No atheists uh, in the trenches or voxels or something. That saying, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because the ocean will mess you up if it wants to and not even notice. So, <laughs> but, but just in general too, like as far as like one of the aspects of the 10,000 of solar punk is also trying to integrate humanity back into like remove that separation we've developed from the natural world as if we're not part of it and i think there is a spiritual dimension to that both in like especially in the a lot of the pagan paths are more nature-based if i had to label myself right now i'd probably consider myself uh, a druid obviously not the solar punk druid because that's another guy Um, (laughs) that's craig Anyway, there's a a lot more of a nature focus, and I think that would also come out in the architecture. Like you see it to some extent in some of the images and things of uh, solar punk. I I think one of the important spiritual, back to the kind of squishy bits, is remembering what I think we knew for a long time, that the natural world and other animals and plants and creatures are also here and coexisting and living. And I feel like and this is me not knowing that this is, I'm an inorganic kind of person, but my understanding of, of what we know neuro neurology and biology wise, is it's still a little fuzzy on how we went from rocks to bacteria. Like that jump was kind of like wild. Um, so, and then everything else kind of went from there. Like 
bacteria are different than us, but mostly the same, like that, that part and where we get consciousness, like, is it conscious or is it not my understanding of some indigenous traditions and I'm not indigenous. So huge caveat there um, is that everything has some degree of consciousness. And my understanding is there's a growing movement in Western philosophy, at least right now, that maybe that's not so crazy. And of course, the indigenous people I've heard on podcasts and stuff are like, uh, yeah, we told you guys that a long time ago and you told us we were stupid. And we're like, maybe we're not. It's very much a lot of it is we thought we knew better and oh, it turns out we didn't. But we can address the whole baggage that's Western society later, maybe. But uh, <laughs> it touches on everything, unfortunately. As we try to reintegrate humans into nature, I think there's definitely a spiritual aspect of how are we connected to the other living things on the earth? Um, and how do we respect them even if we're not able to communicate with them? And there was another story. I think that was in Bioluminescent that Bright Flame had a story, uh, which she wrote a, a an article for me for the Solar Punk Spirituality series where there are witches that go around and like they have different specialties. And some people talk to mycorrhizae and some people talk to trees and they have like a special thing they can communicate like telepathically with, which is cool. So a solar punk future then would sort of be more integrated, I guess. So this, yeah, I guess, bring together that false separation between humans and, and the natural world. And um, so a solar punk spirituality seeks to sort of bring that more together. Okay. That's my interpretation of it. Anyway. that. I, again, like all of this, this is just my particular <laughs> take on it. But uh, that that I think that would be an important aspect of it because I think if you look at most most religions, especially as you go back further, pre-industrial society religions all have at least some aspect of nature is an important part, and in some of them you start to see maybe there's a separation or dominion over um, this natural world by humans, but. It's always still an important aspect. And in day-to-day -day life in big cities, sometimes you may not see that anymore. And it's easy to get in that mindset that there are humans over here and there's nature over there. One thing some people talk about is maybe there have been phases, whether the climate movement has been focused on, oh, let's save polar bears. Or now some people are like, oh, well, we have to save humans and maybe we won't care as much about animals now. Should probably be both. The the recognition that you can't really have one without the other. And that's another thing I feel like spirituality at, at its best anyway is more maybe more systems thinking than at least traditional the way we think of at least Western science has been, which is very reductive. And okay, we're gonna take this one thing, we're gonna take it out of its environment and we're gonna look at it, which is definitely a useful thing to do because it's hard to study things like in the wild. But like you, you can pull it out and study it, but it doesn't necessarily act the same way, which I mean, we see in quantum physics, just from like the observer effect by looking at something, you're changing it. And it's true, like maybe not in the same mathematically quantifiable way, but it's also a thing that happens. Like if you're watching animals in the forest, even they're still in their environment, but they're probably also knowing that you're there, which is probably going to make them act a little differently than if you weren't, but. 
For sure. I mean, even with humans, if there's a, a security camera and we know we're being surveilled, we're going to act a little bit differently than mm-hmm. if we think that we're completely alone. And in fact, a lot of places kind of rely on that technology to discipline people into acting a certain way, compliance and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it's it's a principle, I think, that extends beyond the human. And so it, yeah, just sort of seems like a no-brainer for it to be applicable to science and and the scientific method uh, when they're studying things that are not human. Going back to, uh, we mentioned solar punk architecture and you mentioned those altars in that story. And I was wondering if you've ever thought of, I don't want to say solar punk churches, but solar punk places of worship. Do you think that there's room for that within a solar punk city? Or um, do you think that veers a little bit too much towards institutionalization. I think there could be. I mean, I think at least in my head, like I know institutions can definitely come with a lot of baggage. I knew someone in my old town who was very anti-institutionalizing anything. I think pretending like we can get rid of any of that stuff is probably uh veers too much into that overly optimistic uh <laughs> that we get sometimes uh accused of in solar punk, but at least in my view, there probably would still be different. I assume that different versions of Christian churches and uh, synagogues and things like that are still going to exist in the future. Unlike in Star Trek, where you don't see any of that. And the only time that anything remotely similar happens is when you're on DS9 and they have the Bajoran people with their, their worship system. And even then it's still like, oh, well, there are those weird aliens who have religion, but we've got gotten rid of all that which is honestly kind of weird, but I think we'll still see things like that. I would like to see just in general, because I'm, I'm like this where I like smaller groups of people gathering instead of like, I'm hoping we won't see mega churches <laughs> where there are like 10,000 people. Cause there's no real in my own personal moralizing, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> my own personal view of things. You're a lot better off the important aspects of having like a faith community instead of practicing on your own are those actual community aspects. And you don't really get that if you're above Dunbar's number of like 100 to 200 people. It gets a lot harder to form social connections and be able to reinforce those and work together as a community toward anything more than just sometimes getting on board like the group think train. So I'd like to see maybe smaller, smaller places of worship, kind of like in Japan, they have all the, I don't drink, but my understanding, and I've never been to Japan, but my understanding is from what I've read of of Japanese urban design, is there are lots of little hole in the wall restaurants and bars and things like that because of the way they've done their zoning over there. Like you can have a small restaurant or something that's like maybe downstairs from your apartment or something, Mm -hmm. but like all the way kind of diffused into the the social fabric. So you might have a little hole in the wall place of worship and maybe it gets used for multiple things. Uh, so on one day of the week, this religion or, well, hopefully not. We, we can, sure. Religion. Um, <laughs> Such a loaded word. eh? Yeah. I'm like, eh, man, I don't want to say religion. Cause that, that has a certain, again, that institutionalization, but um, I assume there will be religions in the future too, but ideally more, groups of people working together toward toward a common goal kind of thing. Just because once you institutionalize something, and I'm not going to tell anyone anything new here, 
Um, and it's not my area of study by any means, since again, I'm an engineer, not a, <laughs> not a philosopher, <laughs> uh, except I pretend to be one on the internet. Institutionalizing something kind of freezes it with, okay, this is not, e- not even just over time with different people, but even with just those people, it's like, I was thinking this one thing in this one moment, at, but now I'm going to write it down and say, this is the way things are. And that kind of makes it hard to change, which I think changes one of the underlying things that's important to solar punk is, is changing toward mm-hmm. a better future and also changing that connection with nature and growth, but also not forgetting that, which capitalism has forgotten. Capitalism loves to grow. It's got, it's got the growth thing down, mm-hmm. but it forgets that sometimes things need to die mm-hmm. and there's a cyclical nature to everything. And so, and that's another aspect that spirituality addresses that science doesn't really address is like, we know things die. Um, and at least from my understanding, when I read, I read a long time ago, so this take it with a grain of salt, I might be misquoting here, but when I read Mary Roach's book, Stiff, it's all about death and ways people die and uh, what happens to your body and all that stuff. But they're like, we're not really a hundred percent sure. Like, obviously if you get blown up, that that's a pretty obviously why you stopped working. But sometimes it's just like, we don't know why the body stopped working. It just kind of like, mm-hmm. and so a lot of this stuff, like the, in science, a lot of the time, the more science you do, the more answers you get two questions for every answer or more especially when it comes to the topic of the afterlife. I think the whole thing is one giant question mark for a lot of people who do spend time thinking about it. And it's one of the, I think, driving factors behind this pull towards spirituality, perhaps, or even institutionalization. People want something to sort of grab onto. In solar punk, though, I am not sure what sort of the death rituals might be like. I, I assume it probably will be different for every community, but um, would you speak on that a bit? One of the things I've seen that's kind of newer, at least IRL, is there are a few companies working on doing something more like rapid composting of bodies, mm. where I think they, I think they're out in the Pacific Northwest right now. Uh, at least one company is doing, I think there might be another um, where they like, I think they rapid freeze dry you. And then I can't, I don't remember how the process works, but basically they turn you back into soil pretty quickly. Oh, wow. Um, like within, I think less than a month, maybe even, or two months, it's a very short period of time. And then, and I think there, there might be a company, I don't know if it's the same company or a different company doing it for pets now too. I think you have to be pretty close or they'll, they can send you back soil that contains your relatives. So you can plant a tree or a garden or things like that. And then I've also seen, I think I've seen it in stories and I think there are also um, places where they do that, where they'll bury you under, under a tree or uh, I think some, I don't know if this was a concept or a real thing. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I saw a thing where they would have these like pods and they put your body in it. And there'd also be like, Oh, a I sapling or something. Oh, I can't um, remember if that was a an actual thing or if it was just like. I think a I concept. saw it 
as a concept and they were going to try and make an actual thing. And then the pandemic happened and I'm not sure if it became an actual mm-hmm. thing. That's definitely worth looking into, however. Yeah. Cause I feel like I've seen, I can't remember. I think it was in one of the solar punk anthologies. Someone like visited their grandma's tree in one or something. Mm-hmm. Like talk to them kind of like we would at a grave site um, now, but also I think maybe being a little more integrated since I came to solar punk through the steampunk end of things without getting into the baggage of steampunk. One of the things that Victorians did that seems kind of wild to us now is like, they would go and have picnics in cemeteries and things like this. And there was a lot, a lot of modern society, especially in the West were kind of separated from death a lot of the time, except for at Halloween. Um, <laughs> otherwise we're like yeah. out of sight, out of mind. So we try not to, to address it. So I think that's something that would fall into that, that squishy bits of being human spirituality stuff. Like you said, both afterlife and, and death itself. I think some earlier versions of society, I don't know, <laughs> did, did that better. Cause it's not, mm. there's not like, again, not that one true path. We, we've gone lots of squiggly lines through history and it's not all, all one arrow toward the end of history there are good ideas from the past and and bad ideas from the past and i think solar punk tries to integrate the good from the past and avoid the the negatives as much as possible and i think trying to reintegrate this consciousness that okay there there is a cycle there's growth and death and maybe some of that's again the the specter of of capitalism or maybe our our desire not to deal with death is why capitalism is the way it is but the, this growth without any any death or any, not even necessarily death, just slowing down or being more dormant, just the natural cycle of deciduous trees losing their leaves in the winter and going dormant. And agricultural societies would have been a lot slower in the winter, both from a, you don't have as much light, you, your only artificial light is fire, which is is what it is. It's both very powerful, but for good and bad. Yeah, so you're more in touch with sort of the rhythms of nature and so more in touch with the rhythms of, I guess, a life and death. And seeing that reflected in the natural world is sort of brings it in more into consciousness. That's one thing I like about, I hesitate to go as far as call myself pagan, but that might just be my Christian upbringing. But uh, <laughs> one of the, and I don't, I don't really have like a very, very much of a practice or anything, but it's something I'm more drawn to now is like the wheel of the year and things of that nature where over the course of the year, you kind of at least take a short amount of time to to make an observance of, okay, this is the, the equinox or solstice or Samhain or Halloween. Like this is a, a change in the seasons. I may go on a walk and just see, well, how's the natural environment around me changing? Even if you're in a city, there are probably street trees, I hope, and and grass and things but just how how is the world changing? How is the amount of light that we're getting and how are your own energy levels? Like it's a lot easier to be energized in the spring and in the fall, it's kind of winding down. And in the winter, you want to stay inside and drink hot chocolate and read a book or something instead of sure. uh, go out and play Frisbee. So <laughs> sure, especially if you're in uh, much colder climates, um, then it- yeah, because you're you're quite a bit further north because we just moved down to the Savannah River. Uh, here in South Carolina. So we're very far south uh, compared to where I've ever lived now. So it's 
we're just starting to get fall now here. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> so wow. the, yeah, the leaves, the leaves have just started changing in the last week or so, or I assume it's a little bit chillier there. Uh, just, just a little bit chillier. Yeah. Just a bit. But yeah, the idea of in an ideal solar punk future society, we recognize that the human can be affected by these cycles whether or not we choose to be pagan or choose to be animist or, you know, in that future society, it's just a fact of life or a fact of death that we're connected to the wider world, I guess. We're, you know, in our context, we can't be taken out of it. There's some element of that even in Christianity and uh, other more western path i guess because uh, <laughs> they're they're all the feast days and everything and, and in christianity there's christmas and uh judaism there's hanukkah and all the other sort of festivals of light that are in the winter time because it's your darkest times and then like you have yule from the the germanic traditions of okay it's the darkest time of the year so we're going to have a celebration about light and the sun starting to to come back uh, because you have that darkest night and then you start to get more light because that's the part of the the winter where you're starting to in a, in a more agricultural society you're starting to check your your stocks of everything you stored up from your harvest and you might start being like well are we going to make it to spring kind of that's kind of a morale boost for getting through the rest of the winter although just just a disclaimer, I do know that, you know, in the Southern hemispheres, it's, it's sort of the opposite. It's like yeah. <laughs> summer and warm in the winter and that kind of thing. But we're, you know, we are yeah, from, embedded from in our Northern context, hemisphere perspective. Yeah. <laughs> but from the Northern hemisphere perspective, this is sort of what it's, I guess, uh, the ways in which nature affects the human. Yeah. I, I assume I'm not familiar, but I assume that Southern hemisphere has since so many Northern hemisphere religions and spiritual paths follow that sort of pattern i assume they they have the same thing just opposite i guess <laughs> different traditions to mark the but, different yeah times of year yeah yeah but now that everything's so global you have you're doing christmas in australia you're probably like this is weird but uh... <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah i mean we would find it weird but i guess if if you've grown up there maybe it's not so weird yeah maybe yeah. i guess it's all a matter of perspective but <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Navar. Um, yeah, if our listeners, yeah, um, if our listeners want to learn more about you or solar punk spirituality, where can they go to find you? Uh, yeah, so the main place is Solar Punk Station, my blog, which is just solarpunkstation.com. And there are several essays up there right now from uh, some guests who are writing there. I have a short introduction post that I wrote. I think we may have one or two more people submitting something for that, but I don't want to name any names in case uh, we're not able to fulfill that promise. <laughs> but uh, hoping to have one or two more people uh, contribute before the end of the year. Oh, good. Um, and then I have all, all my other ramblings of uh, me either pretending to do engineering that I probably shouldn't or uh, <laughs> philosophizing. Uh, and then I also have a... a YouTube channel that has a couple of videos and I'm even less consistent about that, but you can just search for solar punk station on YouTube. And then a lot of other places online. I am solar punk gnome on uh, sunbeam city for Mastodon. Uh, and I believe I'm just 
I think I'm Bart's Navar on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week. Yes, whatever whatever the whims of the te- technocrats tell us to, you know, yes. <laughs> call it. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask if you have any projects that are currently on the go, but it sounds like the Solarpunk Spirituality series is still ongoing, which is very exciting. Um, is there anything else that uh, you would like to take a moment to tell us about? I think that's the main thing right now. Uh, the only other thing I would say is one of my other hats is uh, as a grafter making candles and science themed decor. And so right now I'm a member of a co-op called Artisans Co-op that we just set up a storefront online that is basically trying to be a co-op alternative to Etsy. So everyone should check that out if they are looking for handmade items and want to do a better job of supporting the artisans who make the things to check that out. It's very, very new, uh, only a couple months old. Definitely. We'll check that out and uh, we'll put a link in the description so that our listeners can go check it out as well. Solarbug spirituality is something that I haven't really given too much thought to um, and is something that I really do want to explore more in the future. So thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to sort of have a little introductory conversation about it. Thanks. And thanks for having me. I guess one one last parting, parting thought <laughs> is that uh, if anyone is interested in looking at it more, I think bioluminescent that I mentioned before is a good place to start because lunar punk does kind of bring spirituality more to the forefront than most solar punk splitting hairs, whether there's a difference between the two, but I feel like <laughs> lunar punk does kind of uh, t- take more of a spiritual tack with how we address things where solar punk, I think is a little bit more tacky anyway, but okay. Oh. That, that's trying to put labels on things that shouldn't be labeled, but well, it's not wrong to observe a trend. I think, you know, we have observed the trend that lunar punk is perhaps a little bit more focused on the spiritual realm. And that's a good plug, I think, to go check out Lunar Punk some more, as it's sort of the the other side of the coin of Solar Punk. All right. Well, thank you so much, Navar. This was this was awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to Solar Punk Presence, a podcast hosted and produced by Ariel Kroon and Christina Della Rocha. The audio for this episode was recorded in part on the traditional territory of the neutral Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe peoples. And in Germany. The opening and closing music for this podcast is Water Cooler Gang by Monkey Warhol, available for use under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. Don't forget to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash solarpunkpresence. Every little bit helps us keep bringing you discussions and interviews. Until the next episode, keep dreaming. And stay solarpunk. <laughs>